Hey, good morning. I am, uh, I'm, my name's Evan, and uh, I'm uh, on staff here at the church, and I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. I'm excited to be able to be up here and, and talking about adoption this morning. Um, I, I, I should probably start off because the last time I was up here um, was my very first time preaching, and I was really excited. I was really nervous, and, and I ended up in the lobby after the sermon, and I was talking with someone, and, and I was just laughing at my hands in my pockets like this, and I kind of just was laughing. I looked down, and then I saw something horrifying, <laughs> and uh, the, the hour previous just flashed through my head of all the times I was standing right here in front of you guys, just raising my hands, and realized there was a part of my outfit that hadn't fully gotten put together yet, and so um, I... Uh, you know, if you ever wonder if God has a sense of humor, uh, you know, you don't need to wonder anymore. I just think he was laughing the whole time. You're preaching your first sermon with 200 people with your fly down. And so um, I, I really hope this morning that I'm all put together, at least on the outside, and, and we can move forward. So I apologize to anybody. Uh, I know William, there's some funny stories. We had a community group. So um, don't mean to sing you out. There's lots of people who said, I saw it, but I, I don't, I, my wife told me don't say anything. So um, hopefully we're good. We'll start. We'll start, we'll start this morning. So, um, so switching gears a little bit, um, uh, as you could probably tell from the uh, video we just saw, and man, what an what a awesome, encouraging, terrifying video uh, we saw, but we're going to be talking about adoption today. And um, today, as Alan shared, we celebrate uh, Orphan Sunday. Today is Orphan Sunday, and so what that is, is all across this nation, all across the globe, really, there is um, a, a, pastors are preaching sermons on adoption and orphan care, uh, they're sharing stories, they are helping brothers and sisters to become better equipped to understand and remember one thing, that God loves orphans. God loves orphans. And so I'm excited today to be able to stand before you and talk about that. It's something that's near and dear to my family's heart. It's something that's near and dear to the leadership of this church's heart. And most importantly, this is near and dear to our God and Father, his heart. And so um, if you don't have a Bible, uh, go ahead and raise your hand because we're going to spend some time in the Bible today like we do every week. We've got some folks who will come on down and give you a copy of the Bible. Uh, If you don't own it, a Bible... That's yours. Please keep that. So grab your Bibles. We'll get them out. Um, and, and, and as you're doing that, I'll kind of set up our time this morning, what I'd like to do and what I'd like for us to go through this morning. So uh, what I want to do is I want to make a case this morning from Scripture that adoption into God's family is the most incredible gift we could ever be given, bar none. That's what I hope to do this morning. There's a guy called J.I. Packer. Some of you guys have read his book, Knowing God. And in that, he makes a statement about what adoption is. And he says it's the highest privilege that the gospel offers. And I agree with that. But even more importantly, I think the scriptures agree with that. And I hope that we see this this morning. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about adoption because I think, I think what happens often when we talk about orphan care and we talk about adoption is, is, is and this isn't wrong, but I think we just typically, we talk about it on, a, on merely on a, a horizontal level of humans adopting humans. And, and that is true. And that is good. So again, that's not a bad thing. But what I hope this morning, what I hope to encourage every one of us this morning, myself included, is that adoption is first a vertical reality before it is ever a horizontal one. 
And so I hope to do that this morning. I want to make that case, look at some scripture this morning, see the story of God's adoption unfold for us. And I would love to share with you guys a bit of my own family's story as well to help illustrate that a bit. And so to see our vertical adoption as sons and daughters of God to be an incredible gift. And I want to show us that it's that incredible gift in four ways. So the four things I'm going to do, if you're a note taker, you can take these down. This is what I want to do. I want to, I want to, I want to explain that in this way. The first way I want to explain it's the most incredible gift is that it was always planned. I want to talk about that. The second thing I want to do is that it was, it was terribly costly. God's adoption for us was terribly costly. And the third thing I want to do is show how it changes everything. Fourth and last but not least is that it secures our future. And so what I hope to do with that, with our time this morning is through the word, is to show us adoption, the most credible gift in those four ways, and then how that then enables you and me as brothers and sisters, as sons and daughters of God, to live lives that are completely changed. Completely changed. And that plays out on the horizontal level. So, let me pray and ask that God would do that this morning for all of us. I'm incapable of anything on my own. These are not my words. Um, anyone who stands up here stands totally on the authority uh, of God's word and stands on the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I pray that the Lord would do this work this morning. So please pray with me and we'll start our time together. Father, I thank you that we can come to you and call you Father. Lord, I pray that it would not be lost on us this morning as we've shared that this is Orphan Sunday and it's being recognized all across your world, all across your creation, uh, that, Father, there are many, many children who do not have a mommy and a daddy. And, Lord, that is a terrible tragedy and a result of, of sin. And, Lord, we know that that grieves your heart. And, Lord, I pray that that would grieve our hearts as well. But, Father, I pray that this morning that we wouldn't just look at that on a horizontal level and be grieved by that. But, Father, I pray that first we would be encouraged this morning, Lord, knowing the incredible reality of the most incredible gift that you have given us in adopting us, calling us your sons and daughters. So, Lord, I pray that as we spend the next 40 minutes together, Lord, that you would, by your spirit, encourage our souls. Father, that we would be uh, mindful of the incredible gift that we have been given from you. And, Lord, how that affects us now, today. Right this moment, how it changes everything for us. So, Lord, please uh, encourage our hearts this morning. Please speak through your word. Father, I pray that I would not be in the way. Uh, Lord, but you would just use me, Father, as your instrument this morning, Lord, to share your truth with your people. Father, we ask all of this in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. So open your Bibles. I want to start on the first one and we'll walk through those four, four ways that adoption is an incredible gift. And the first one I want to talk through is adoption was planned. So open your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 3 through 5. I'll read and then uh, you guys can follow along. It's also on the screen behind me. Paul writes this, Ephesians 1 verses 3, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us In Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. My wife Stacy and I had planned early on, before we were even married, to to adopt, and um, just before we even got engaged, and um, if I'm really honest, 
we didn't plan it. She did. We were about to be engaged. And so as any dude would, would do in my case, as you want the girl to marry you, you say yes to whatever she says. And so she said, would you consider adoption first? Absolutely. Will you marry me? And so that was kind of our deal, right? So I had to stick with it. Um, but so kind of moving forward, as we fast forward a little bit into our story, about four years in our marriage, it was, it was 2010, and we had felt like the Lord had, had started to press on us, and we'd started to just feel like the tug to, I think this is the time for us to start a family. And so we remembered that, hey, you know, adoption is one of the things that we wanted to consider first. Um, and you guys are probably familiar with um, the devastating earthquake that happened in Haiti. Um, and so we remember, um, we were watching news of the devastation, the reports that I'm sure everybody's familiar with. And um, we don't know who uh, or, or exactly how this worked, but both of us at the same time have felt impressed to start the adoption process after seeing the devastation and the loss and the children displaced and, the, and stuff like that in, in the country of Haiti. And so uh, what we did was we started to uh, investigate how do we do that? What do we do? How do you adopt? What do you, what's the first thing you do? So they have these things called adoption agencies, which I'd never been in before, one before. And so uh, fortunately, one of our dearest friends works for one. And so called her up and we got dinner and she, she was walking through all the, the, the stuff that you needed to do to adopt and man, just paperwork. We're looking through, there was these brochures and all this stuff. And we had all these ideas of where we wanted to start. And, um, you know, so we were thinking through some of these things and we kind of got the first two or three options of places that we thought of adopting from and they weren't going to work out. And so finally, Anna, our friend, she said, um, have you guys considered Africa? And no, we hadn't. We had two other options that, that weren't going to work out and for various reasons. And, and so as we, 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 we continued to talk a little bit, she shared some information. And, and we were like, okay, well, hey, we were at Panera and we were leaving. It's probably like 10 o'clock at night. And, and we, we leave and she says, hey, here, just do two things. Pray, see what God's doing. See if God may be calling you to, to this country to do this. And then secondly, just find out more information about the country of Ethiopia. And so we're like, all right, we'll do it. And so if any of you guys know me at any level, I'm not the most thorough guy. Um, I'm just never going to be accused of that. Um, and I share that because uh, about 12 hours later, now my wife is way more, so I want to make sure I don't throw her under the bus here. She is way more thorough than I am. But, so the reason why I share that is 12 hours later, we're both driving to our work, respective jobs, and we're on the phone. And, and I said to Stacy, I said, Stace, I, I really feel like the Lord is growing a love for a baby boy in Ethiopia. And it was amazing. She said, I do too. So we trusted that the Lord was confirming this in us. And we moved forward and we started to do an application for the country of Ethiopia to adopt a baby boy. The planning for adoption began for us. And so if we look back in the verses we just read in Ephesians, we see that Paul understands this same thing about God. See, he, th- he knows that God always had in mind a plan to adopt children into his family. In fact, what's so, it's just so incredible to Paul, the first part of verse 3, what's he doing? He's just praising God. He's just praising the Lord for what he's done and doing in and through Jesus, right? So we can, he, he goes that through it and, and he's praising God for this. We look at verse 4. What do we see in verse 4? What, 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 what does Paul say that God is doing? Has done. He has planned to adopt us even before he created the world. So uh, there's probably some type A'ers who are like nudging their spouse, like, see, see, planning six years of vacation in advance. It's like, God, man, he's planning before he creates the world. You're in good company. 
But the point I'm trying to make here is that God always intended to accomplish adoption. It was always his plan A. It was never plan B. He didn't get thrown off. He didn't read Genesis 3 and think, oh my goodness, sin, what do I do now? He had that in view before he ever created the world to adopt sons and daughters into his family. Adoption is an incredible gift because it was always planned. The second point I want us to see is that our adoption was costly. Turn, if you will, to Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5. Alan preached a sermon a couple of months ago, fantastic sermon. Uh, I'm not going to dive into it near as much as he did, but I want us to see something here that Paul is writing to the church of Galatia uh, in regards to their adoption. Paul writes this. Paul says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. See, as we began to plan for our adoption, one of the first things we realized right off the bat was how incredibly expensive adoption is. I mean, tens of thousands of dollars, super expensive. I mean, there were times Stacy and I were really concerned. We were like, I don't, I don't know how we're going to come up with the money for this, because it, it was just so expensive. And so from the very beginning of the adoption process, what you do is you just start shelling out money from the very beginning, all right? And so one of the things you get done first that you pay the first big chunk of money, I remember, was for, for a home study. And if, if you don't know what a home study is, basically a, a home study is where a stranger comes into your home and they judge you. That's basically, and here's the deal, you get to pay them for it. It's awesome. Hey, come on in. You just come into our house. You're looking at our paintings, like, don't like that. Don't like, no, they, she didn't do that. But what they do is they do come in and they, they look at every aspect of your life finances, marriage, uh, health, all of that. They come in and look at it. So you pay a ton of money for stuff like that. And that is just the beginning. But here's the deal adoption is not just financially costly, it's emotionally and physically draining and costly as well. See, once you start the process of adoption, you can wait months and months and years and years. There are families, mine included, in this church right now who are in the process of adopting who have been waiting for years for their child. It's a long process, and it can be wearing and costly emotional. See, here's the deal. Your emotions just ramp up. You are waiting for a child to come into your home. It's not like you're waiting for a piece of mail to come, right? It's just very different. This is a human being, and you long for that human to be in your home, to be your son and to your daughter. It is costly emotionally. You start dreaming about what this new addition is going to be like in your family. How, how's the transition going to be? How are we going to make sure? Let's let our family and friends know. And you start thinking about, the, hey, what are we going to name the child? Um, you start thinking about other things like, um, what are they going to look like? I have no idea. And your mind just wanders in those ways. And then you just wait and wait and wait. The waiting is hard. And if you talk to anybody who's adopted, they can tell you stories like that. Now what I, now what I want us to see is this same thing in Galatians chapter 4. That Paul wants the Galatians to understand that God's love in adopting was costly. What does verse 4 and 5 tell us? But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So look, when we read that word redeem in verse 5, we need to understand that redeem implies a costly transaction. A costly transaction. The definition for redeem is this. It's a payment 
to recover something, or in this case, someone, from the power of another. That's what redeem means. Some might ask, well, what is the price that God had to pay for our adoption? Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 3, you don't need to turn there. He says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Paul is telling you and me that the price to be paid for our adoption was God's perfect son, Jesus. Now this begs the question, you may be sitting here and thinking, well, okay, Evan, you may be a believer, you may not. You may not have trusted in Jesus to forgive you for your sins, and this may be your first time checking some things out. And you may be saying, well, hey, wait a minute, man. You just said this God who created everything, and can't he just adopt and not have this big, what big deal about this payment thing? And I think Paul tells us in verse 4 the answer to that kind of a question. See, Paul tells us in verse 4 that those under the law needed to be what? Redeemed. They needed to be legally justified before God because God is perfect and he's just. He requires perfection to be near him, much less to be in his family. So in God's grace and his mercy, he made that way through his son, sending him as a substitute to die in our place, to take the punishment in our place. And see, friends, this, 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 as I was studying, as I've reflected, as I've thought about this for, for many, many years, and certainly over this past week, this is where we start seeing God's crazy love for us. This is where we start to see why adoption is such an incredible gift. He not only made us a way to be right with him, just legally justified, but he made us also a part of his family. See, we, we might see someone, and we, we've heard stories, we've watched the movies about this before, and, and I'm not taking away from how incredible this is, but we'll see things occasionally of someone sacrificing their life for someone that they really love. I mean, I'm a dad. There's plenty of parents in this room. There's plenty of married folks. There's plenty of people with with significant relationships. Everyone has a family at some level. I mean, I think some of us could get that idea of saying, I would gladly give my life for my child or my spouse or my friend or whatever. I love them. And that is amazing. But here's the deal. We will never, ever hear of a loving father giving his precious son to die in the place of his enemy. We will never hear that story because only God could and God did do that. Adoption was costly. But I don't want us to miss something. I want us to feel that weight because that is true and that is a reality. It was terribly costly. It was an incredible cost. But this morning, brothers and sisters sitting in this room, myself included, I need to be reminded of this truth as well. That though adoption was incredibly costly, it also shows that he has incredible love for you and me. That is astounding. God did not send his son God did not pay the cost to adopt us begrudgingly. He didn't do that. 
Nobody was forcing him to do this. No one was forcing him to give his perfect son on behalf of his creation that rebelled against him. No one forced him to do that. What did the text say in Ephesians? How did he do it? How did he plan to pay the cost? In love. It is flooring to think about how costly our adoption was for God. Stacy and I, I think we're able to um, get just a small picture, maybe a small little glimpse into this reality of God's love for us. You saw Vody Bachum in the beginning kind of say as, as he's been able to adopt children in his own family, he started to see the gospel in a very different way than he was before. And, and that's been true in Stacy and I's life. And so one of the things, an illustration I was hoping to share to kind of help with that this morning as we've seen this is God's incredible love for us and that he didn't do it begrudgingly even though it was a terrible cost for him was uh, when we did our first trip to, to Ethiopia, we, um, we, we went to see Ezekiel for the first time. We had never met him. Uh, we were on our way and uh, we were in the van and we pulled up to uh, the gates of where he was staying and um, the gates opened up. We drove in with some other families and um, it was just like full of emotion because you're about to meet this kid for the very first time, hold him, all that kind of stuff. He's only seen pictures uh, from thousands of miles away. And uh, so the deal was uh, all the families would get out and we'd wait at the bottom of the steps of the building and one by one each family would get to meet their child for the very first time. So they'd walk up these steps and, and a caretaker from uh, the, the home that they were staying in would bring out each child to each family separately. And so um, I, I want to kind of set up uh, what I've just shared with you about God's love for us um, and, and how we've gotten a little bit of taste of that um, as well. Uh, just we have a short little clip of us meeting Ezekiel for the first time. So, uh... <laughs> seen that in a while and that'll never get old ever he didn't seem as excited as we were but uh, <laughs> he's stuck with us now <laughs> poor guy I just wanted to point out just by just that quick clip there was not one second that Stacy and I begrudgingly thought through what we had to do to get to that place the sacrifice that had to be made not one second. We did every single bit of that joyfully and wanting to give and sacrifice and to accept the way God's had amazingly blessed us to, to get to that point. And, and the cost was so worth it. We 
couldn't be more elated to be seeing our child for the first time. And I submit to us that we should see God's love for us at least in that way. But it's so much greater. It was costly. But God loved us that much. And I would argue that it also gets better. So this is a fourth thing I want us to show about why adoption is the most incredible gift. Because it was planned, because it was so costly, because uh, it changes everything. And then the final thing I want us to see is that it, it, I'm sorry, I didn't even get to the third part yet. I'm on the third part. I didn't, man, got to hurry up here, you guys, sorry. So the second thing, I've got ahead of myself. The second thing we saw is it was costly. And the third thing I want us to see is adoption is an incredible gift because it changes everything. So that same trip, that was our first trip that you guys saw right there. Uh, and the first trip to Ethiopia was, was, was mainly to be there because we needed to appear in court and testify and give our consent that we wanted uh, to be uh, Ezekiel's legal guardians. And so um, the whole point of the trip was to, to go there and do that. The courts are reviewing every adoption case in Ethiopia uh, to make sure that they meet the legal requirements uh, to be deemed appropriate for adoption. And so it's kind of like a 50-50 chance. So a lot of families we were with that we saw didn't pass court for a, lot of, a number of different reasons. And so there was some anxiousness for us as we walk up to the courtroom and we get in there, we wait forever. The judge finally calls us in, is going to see our case and your hearts are pounding, and if, you get, if you're getting, uh, uh, if you're kind of seeing a common theme, the adoption process is consistently one of your heart pounding and uh, things like that. But we get into the room, and um, we, we stand before the judge, and we come all the way across the ocean and the continent of Africa to just stand right there. And the judge asks us this. She says, why do you want to adopt? And I have no idea what we said. I cannot remember. No idea. Apparently we said, enough, because we kept moving forward but what I do remember is her last two questions to us and she said do you understand what you're doing do you understand the legal ramifications what this means we said yes and then she said are you sure you want to do this legally this will now be binding this will forever be what it is set in stone and we said yes Ezekiel became our legal son. We became his legal parents. Forever in that moment, Ezekiel could now call us mommy and daddy, and we could call him our son. He would have my last name. He would be a Snyder forever. Everything changed. Everything changed. There's first a legal change, had to happen. But simultaneously, there was also a family change. We would get some paperwork that would make it official, but no longer would paperwork be necessary to prove that he was in our family. It wouldn't matter anymore, but it was necessary. And see, I think Paul understands this, and I think this is why he uses the metaphor of adoption to communicate what God has done in adopting us. So if it changes everything, let's look at what Paul says. You don't need to go here. I'll just read Galatians 4, verse 6. And he says this, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We are now legally justified before God. And we are also now called sons and daughters. And Paul's telling us in these texts that God has given us the Holy Spirit to now address God, how? As a heavenly father. See, that word Abba is a term of endearment. 
The term Abba implies a strong relational connection, a strong relational tie. So no longer, we don't merely approach God at a distance. We're not cowering in fear and trembling and, or, or, or emotionless anymore. What does it say? No, now we have the spirit of adoption in us. It's given to us, and we cry out to God, Father. We have a Father now who, in turn, has deep affections and emotions for us as his children. Adoption is an incredible gift. And so the last thing, finally got there, the last thing I want to share and us to see is that adoption secures our future. Turn to Romans chapter 8. We'll look in verses 15 through 18. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 18. Let me read it. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We see this a lot in Paul's writings to the churches under Roman rule. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You see, friends, our adoption story didn't end when we brought Ezekiel home in July of 2011. Coming home was really just the beginning. Our ties as a family and the relationship as our family just continues to grow and grow and grow. He's been with us now for over four years. No matter what happens in Ezekiel's life, he will always have a mommy and daddy. He'll never have to worry whether someone's going to be there for him. He won't ever have to worry, is there someone that cares for me, that loves me? He won't have to worry about his future because he can trust his parents will do everything that they possibly can to ensure that he lives life according to the way God would want him to live it. And what that means is when the tough things of life come, which they will, He won't be there to face it alone. He isn't left to fend for himself or try to figure things out on his own. He has a family now who will support him no matter what he does, no matter what comes his way. We will encourage him to endure no matter what life brings. This is exactly what God's adoption of us does. Paul tells us we don't need to be consumed with fear anymore. What does he say in verse 15? Who do we cry out to? A good father? A heavenly father? Who is that heavenly father? The God of all creation? The one who made you and me and everything we see? That's our father? What fear, Evan, could you possibly have? What fear, friends, should we possibly have if our father is the God of all creation, and we are now his. 
But one of the things I love about this too is Paul doesn't sugarcoat the reality of life now. It'll still be hard. And Paul's use of the word suffering in verse 18 is, is one in general suffering that all Christians will face. Persecution of being a follower of Christ. You might lose your job, your reputation. You might lose your life. Sickness, disease, loss of a loved one, of a child. Seeing the loss of children who don't have any moms or dads all across the world. Death itself. We will all face these things. Paul shoots us straight. But he's not contradicting what he already said. Somebody may be thinking, wait, I thought you just said these amazing things about who we are. Children of God and all that cool stuff. Well, why are you talking about suffering again? That doesn't sound so great. We are most certainly children of God now and heirs with Christ. Look at 15, verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. He helps us to understand that though we are adopted in God's family right now, we are also what? We're waiting and enduring and longing to be home with our Lord. Waiting and desiring to what? At the end of verse 18, what does he say? To, to receive the glory that is to be revealed to us. So that's in the future. So there's a now that we still have to deal with. But he's saying we don't need to fear. What is coming, what adoption will bring as it's an incredible gift is resurrection bodies and no more disease, no more suffering, and no more sin. That is why adoption is the most incredible gift we could ever be given. God planned it. It was costly for him. It changed everything about you and me now in Christ. And it secures our future. And see, friends, this, this, this is our hope. Our adoption as sons and daughters is our hope. Paul, I think, has given us this panoramic view of the Christian life. I want us to see that. I think this will be helpful for us. I was thinking about how to kind of illustrate this, and you know, we all have cameras on our phones, right? So you uh, imagine with me that you know, you're standing before the Grand Canyon, and we're going to pull out our phone, right? because everybody pulls out their phone to take pictures of just even the food they're eating, because everybody cares, right? So, but you're standing in front of the Grand Canyon, and you pull out your phone. And what are you going to turn it to? Are you going to turn it to that single shot where you just get this right here? No. You're going to switch that sucker all the way to the right to Pano, and you're going to take that whole thing in, right? Right? Am I wrong? Who... Who's not going to do that? Who's going to, if, maybe I'm wrong. Somebody's going to stand in front of the Grand Canyon with a single shot. Man, that was amazing, that little rock right here. Like, no, it's not going not to happen. But why are we going to do that? Because you want someone to see the beauty. You want somebody to behold what you are seeing with your own eyes, what you are experiencing. You want them to see the immense beauty and be moved by it. So when we look on Facebook and Instagram, we can still be moved even by the picture of like, dang, that is awesome. That is amazing. And see, 
I think that's what Paul is doing for us. I think the doctrine of adoption, understanding the gift of what that is and what that means for us now and our future, I think it's a sweeping view of redemption's story. And so imagine with me for a moment, he starts, Paul takes out his camera and he says, all right, you start, right, I, I don't know, pan, panoramics, I'm not good at them, because you have that little arrow, you know what I'm talking about, that you're supposed to keep it, and like, keep it straight, keep it centered, and like, I, I, it's always all over the place for me. So anyway, Paul's probably got this nailed down here. So imagine with me, Paul starts, and he wants to take in this whole view of redemption story that he wants us to see, and he says, all right, I'm going to start from the left, and what, do, what does he start? I want to make sure I get into view for my readers, this church, for us here in November 8th, 2015, I want them to see this. And he starts all the way on the left, and he says, look, I want them to see that God has always planned to adopt them. God has always planned to fix the problem of sin. He always planned it. So I'm going to start painting. He starts painting right there. God's planning to fix what our sin ruined. And then he moves over, and then he starts to say, all right, here, I'm going to tell them what it means. I'm going to tell them how I'm going to do that. I'm going to send my son, Jesus, and he's going to make them right, and he's gonna, they're going to receive mercy and grace through him. So I make sure that they see all that, and then right in the middle, Right in the middle, he makes sure he gets this, the, the most splendid view of all of history, the cross of Jesus Christ. He says, front and center, I want you to see that because that is how I'm going to do that. That's the price, that's the cost I'm going to be willing to pay. I'm going to put that front and center of that view for you guys. And we'll just move on a little further. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is who he says he is. He is the risen Lord. Your adoption is now complete and final in that. And so he moves a little bit over and he says, okay, so for you guys here now, you recognize there's this already but not yet. So right now, this is who you are. See that? You see that? And he gets the final last view as he finishes up this picture and he says, glory. And he says, and he puts that down and he says, I want you to see this splendid view of redemption story. Your story, son and daughter. That is yours. That's what God did. That's, he loves you that much. Look at that and be amazed. And I think that view, Paul recognized, if we get that, that we'll understand how our lives are changed now when we can see the whole picture and say, all right, I understand that. So I think what that means is with a view like that, Brothers and sisters, when we have a view like this in front of us, we can see children all across this country and all across this world who don't have a mom and dad, and we can, we can, we can accept the cost to go and get them. We can make the sacrifice to do that with, in view God's story of what he did for us. It can enable us to say, no, we can endure that. Absolutely. We need to. With that view and that understanding, the vertical understanding of who we are in God, we can then adopt children. We need to adopt children. With that sweeping view of redemption's story in our lives, we can bring children into our home over and over again who've had parents that haven't been able to take care of them, have not treated them the way they should. We can bring in the children, because of that, who have suffered terrible things and are hard and difficult to love, when we have that view of what God has done for us, we can foster children. We can bring them into our homes. We need to foster children.
We can open up our checkbooks with redemption story in view of the cost that God paid for us and give to families who are adopting. Not everyone's called to adopt. This isn't a guilt trip, but we're all called to, 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 to pitch in and to care. James talks about that stuff. We can go all the way through that. We can open up our checkbooks and we can give to help relieve the burden financially because it's an expensive cost. We can do that when we see and remember the story of our own redemption. We can help. We can give to the adoption fund that Sojourn has. You can write checks to that today to help. The leadership of this church has a very strong conviction for seeing adoption and foster care lived out in the context of this church. Both my family and the the Pearsons are in the process of adopting right now. We would love to talk to anyone about the process. There are other families in this church who have already gone through adoption or are in the process right now. They would love to talk to you about that. Please, come talk to me. Talk to the Pearsons. We would love to talk to you about this if you have questions about that. The McCulloughs, or foster parents. They have a beautiful baby girl, a part of their family right now. Go, please, talk to the McCulloughs. Ask them anything about fostering, how hard it is, what it takes to start the process, how to, you know, whatever it is. They would love to talk to you about it. But you see, this view of redemption story is not just for adoption or foster care, though I want to be very specific and call us to that today. It impacts every single area of our life. And this is why the apostles could endure hardships and beatings and even death because they had seen the risen Christ. They knew what was ahead. Glory. And they spent themselves. This is where they could write things to other churches about life, like suffering is only temporary and momentary. I don't know about you, sometimes I read that and I'm like, that is not helpful right now. But they weren't saying that it's not hard or that it's not painful, or that it's even, that it's not gut-wrenching. They're saying, and they're giving us, they're reminding us this panoramic view of saying, look ahead. In the grand scheme of things, it's only temporary. It's only momentary. Look ahead. Remember, we are, in Christ, adopted sons and daughters. We have been given the most incredible gift ever. We come to the table every week to be reminded of what God has done for us through Jesus. And this morning, I want to encourage those who will come forward to take the bread and cup and thank God for the gift that he has given you. Thank God for the gift of your adoption. Remember as you come forward the cost. Don't forget the cost. That should evoke worship in us as you come to the table, remembering what God has done for you through Jesus to make you a part of his family. Remember, Jesus went to the cross and he did it in love. Come to the table this morning and be encouraged. If you haven't experienced adoption into God's family, I'd ask you not to come forward. And I ask you not to come forward for, for this reason. We, we come forward to these tables because that table 
the bread and the juice is a reminder of who we are and whose we are. And so if you haven't experienced adoption into God's family this morning, I would encourage you to consider to take that gift. It's a free one. I would ask you, is it worth taking? Do you know what your security is for your future? Because if it's in earthly things, friend, that is just going to be temporary. And there's an end. There's an expiration date. But adoption goes on forever. And so if you would like to do that this morning, if you would like to receive the gift of adoption into God's family, you can pray right here, right now. And this is what you can pray. You can pray this silently in your chair right now. Just say this to God. I need your forgiveness for my sin. And I trust that your son Jesus died on the cross to forgive me for my sin, to make me right, and even more so to make me a part of your family, God. And I trust that you can change everything about me. And I trust you've brought me into your family today forever if you've trusted in Jesus this morning if that has been your prayer this morning please come find me come find Justin Allen or anybody around we would love to talk to you about that if you have more questions about who Jesus is please if I were here we'd love to talk to you about that so for those who will come forward come forward when you're ready and take the bread and the juice let me pray Lord I, um, I, I pray that as your word has shown us this morning, the reality of who we are and whose we are changes everything. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning you would encourage us in this truth, that you would, uh, Father, help us to remember this. And, Lord, I just pray that it would not just be simply to remember, but, Father, to, um, to strain and, and push ahead in whatever life has with for us right now, that we would be willing to uh, endure the costs to adopt and to go into foster care and to endure suffering of many kinds, Lord, knowing what's ahead of us. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a family together to be able to support one another in that way. But Lord, most of all, we thank you. We thank you for the most incredible gift, adoption into your family. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.